Hello, 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 everybody. Oh, you turn that down. <laughs> it is Thursday night once again. And we got Crazy Crawler in the building. Hi, everyone. Salutations, everyone. <laughs> How y'all feeling? How you feeling, Troy? I am doing great. It is another great Thursday. One of few, I should say, but this Thursday was good. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know it was. Now yesterday was a Wednesday Monday, but today mm-hmm. I can handle it. You know, it was all right. It was mm-hmm. a good day. Um, and uh, you see, I mean, here, look, I took my bonnet and my muumu off because I was in my muumu and my bonnet, honey, until about one o'clock. You know, on the phone talking to the people, giving the good people what they need out there, customer service lane. <laughs> but uh, we. <laughs> We here now. Everybody's good. You look like you're drawing down there, brother. You are. You look. look let me see you. Let me, how you doing? So let me look at you. Okay. Glowing. That's that's that Florida sun kissing you all day. Oh, I would love. Oh, I can't wait till I get down there in it. I love going to Florida because I always come back by three shades darker. I love it. <laughs> Now, the last time I went to Florida, I got sunburned. I had never been sunburned before in my whole black life. Yeah, Florida sun is different. I didn't know what to do with that. Now, I done been in the Caribbean sun and everything, but that Florida sun in Jacksonville was like, mm-hmm. it's your time. It's your time. Mm-hmm. And so it, I got burned. I thought, I didn't know what was going on. I was in the shower. My arm was burning. My back. I said, what's going on? Mm-hmm. And uh, Jabella Neal said, Carly, you got sunburned. I said, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know what that meant. Mm-hmm. Got sunburned. Yeah, it don't yeah. feel good at all. At all. Oh, God, it's terrible. I feel terrible for anybody got to go through that. So, well, oh. I'm just so happy to be here. I can't wait. <laughs> I, you know, I'm so excited about the night's guest. You know, the last, oh, every time somebody come on here, I'm excited, first of all. Let me just that say, is true. That is you true. You know that. I'm just excited every week when somebody come on here from the beginning to the end. But mm-hmm. this lady right here. This lady. <laughs> she going to help you today. She going to help you. So, I, I, you know, I'm very excited. So, before we get into her, mm-hmm. we're going to do the sponsor. Yes, indeed. Let's pay some bills. <sighs> That's Swedish line. There she is. Michaela Mitchell, Trinidad's finest, Boston's best. You understand? She keep my hair looking so healthy and divine. That's her. And you should go to her, too. You should go to her and let her put her hands on your head and get you straight out, you know? So she keeps me good. She keep my hair healthy. She got my edges all the way down. See how my hairline come all the way down like that? And it's because she do healthy hair. And she does everything. She does locks. She does natural hair, color. If you if now, if you don't want natural hair, if you want a perm, she can do that too now. She can do a mean blowout. My God. She'll blow your hair out, baby. And that thing will be straight for a minute. So listen, <laughs> just go see her. Okay, and tell a Carla sent you. Her phone number is 336 734 3307. She's on Instagram at 
the sweetest lime she's also on facebook under makia mitchell go see her you understand me and she will hook you up and remember to tell her carla sent you all right so today's guest is the affectionately known through blast as dot z dot z yes indeed miss sanita Allison. Oh, wait a minute. I'm getting excited. I'm about to drop my notebook. Yay! <laughs> hey, Dr. Z. I'm so hey, excited. y'all. Hey, I'm not a doctor yet. But, but I'm you are. Claim it. Yes, mm. I'm going to claim it. We speaking I'm those things as though they are, because I'm a millionaire caller. You understand? Yes. Okay. Award winning. You have to speak these things, girl, because it ain't going to happen if you don't. It That's starts true. with you. Okay. It's true. So, so, you ladies go ahead and do your thing and have an awesome time. Okay. Dr. Z, how was your day? Hey, Carla. It was long, but it was good. It was long, but good. Girl, them braids is breaking, girl. You look beautiful thank, over there. Thank you. Listen, you was talking about edges. See, you see mine coming down? See that? Coming. Thank you. They don't look like yours now. But, but, but that's all right. But when you healthy and stress-free, see them edges be, they be yes. down. You understand what I'm saying? Oh, praise the mighty God, honey. I am so excited about having you on here today. Y'all, for those of y'all who don't know, this is the Dr. Z out of St. Petersburg, Florida. That's where you are, right? Yes. Yep. I love it down there. I love Tampa, St. Pete. We used to go down there all the time when I church. Hi, Sean. Peace, peace, peace. Um, people are coming in. Okay, let, let me calm down. Because as I was telling people today that you were going to be on the show, they were like, oh, I got to tune in. I got to tune in. Because it's not every day. Hi, Sophia. Yeah. That we have a licensed black therapist on my show. Yeah, a sister lady, woman, lady friend who cares about our minds and our whole total body experience, right? Because we all know it's tied in together. And right. I, I love watching your show, I learn something every time I watch it. Your yeah. show this past week, if y'all get a chance, go back and watch her show. She's gonna tell you how to watch it on here, I promise. Um she did a show and she had a lady on there and started out with womb care. And then she started talking about doulas and child. And, you know, I told my story about the twins and y'all, it's just so many things um, that we as women go through, period, all colors, but especially black women. Right. And I'm so glad that we are in this age of, I'm going to see my therapist. That's right, Carla. Yep. It is no longer taboo, right? And and you can just say it. Look, I can't talk to you today because I haven't talked to my therapist. You know, you know, that's my response to people sometimes. Look, I can't deal with you because I haven't been to therapy the last two weeks. Okay. So I need you to just call me next week after I see my therapist. Okay. That kind of, you know, we can give those kind of answers now because of people like you. And I'm just so excited. And you, do they train y'all to talk with that voice like that? Because, you know, our therapist said that, may the Lord be with you. And <laughs> <laughs> Do they try y'all to talk like that? Is that a claim? No, no. See, that's the natural gift you got to have. You know what I'm oh. saying? Not all of them talk like that. Not all of them talk like that. So some do. 
So as y'all can see, I have my libation. She has hers as water. Boring. I have what Jesus turned from water. <laughs> Listen, Bad. I just gotta say, you expect me to come on here and talk about something serious. And I love to laugh. <laughs> you are hilarious. I'm gonna do the best I can. God, wasn't she? Yeah, the doula show was dope, right? I mean, she's yeah. always so good. Well, honey, you know, you can cut up. We got we can cut up and be serious because that's what Crazy Carlos Concoctions is all about. You just don't never know what's gonna go on over here. It's like a roller coaster ride. I love it. And and that's another thing. People need to understand that therapists are real people. And we're gonna get into that because I have, you know, I know people are gonna have questions. I have questions. But the first question I always ask everybody, I already when you answer one. Um, where you from, which is not what you answer, and where you at. So where are you from, Z? Sure. I'm from St. Pete, born and raised in St. Petersburg, Florida. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and uh, that's where you are too, girl. You know what I remember about St. Pete when I went down there. This was when I was a teenager. We used to have our church convention at that convention center down there. Hey, Aunt Lily. There go my auntie. Um, Jane. You know, that's the old school Jane. That's my auntie. <laughs> That's right. Hey, yeah, you your family now. We see we not judging you. Uh-uh. No, let me let me let me go this way. Okay. What you doing? That sunlight on your face? No, no. I'm trying to get my background right because I have my purse and. You see that light? You see the ancestors on your face? Oh, I do. Wait, let me line it up. I do. What that mean, Carla? That mean they they here with you on this podcast. Somebody you love dearly is here with you. Really? Yeah. And the first person who popped in your mind, that's who it is. Wow. You about to make me have a moment. I say thank you. I'm ready for. Well, we give you honor. We give you honor. Yes, absolutely. Um, I got goosebumps. Yeah. It's always good to know when they show up, you know, when they show up unexpectedly. And say, hey, daughter, I'm here. I'm here with you. It's cool. Um, when we used to go to St. Petersburg, we used to have our church convention at that convention center in St. Pete. The Bay something. Uh, the Bay Convention Center. Was it yes. Mm-hmm. yes. And we used to always go down there. We used to go to Water Country and Bush Gardens and Temple. But I went down there one year and I remember these people, these kids were on a school bus. And they drove off that bridge and it was on the news. You remember oh, that? The Skyway. Yeah, the Skyway. The Causeway. Yeah. Girl, I was so glad to get on that bridge. Oh. Yeah, it's, it's all right now. But yeah, that was something, boy. People people been riding that bridge for a minute. Girl, I was so scared. I was crying and screaming. I told my big daddy, please, do we have to get on, do we have to get on this bridge? <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> I remember that like yesterday. But yeah, I lo- I like the people down there. I even dated a guy for years from Temple, and they crazy girl. Okay, that's what, say, bam. That's what. Look, I had to get yeah. dirt because you know don't don't yeah, we don't deal with the locals. I mean, I I have. Let me be real. I have. Let me drink I, never, never mind, because I might have some fellow St. Petersburger. Watch. Yeah, he might be. Yeah, it's something. Right. They something down there. Them they Temple. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So you answered the question, where you're from, where you at. Secondly, 
What's your zodiac sign? Gemini. You Gemini girl. June seventeenth. Are you serious? In real life. What, what girl, I say? know you something else. Listen, that's my cousin Rocky birthday. My uncle, my uncle Keith, rest in peace. Um, who else? I know several people on the seventeenth. Y'all feisty, honey. Look, you can get on here and talk that little that little slow talk if you want to. That little quiet. <laughs> I know who you is now. Oh, look, now you all know who you is now. Listen, listen. I show up one way from Monday through Friday between the hours of ten and seven. <laughs> Afterwards, because the time is eight fourteen. Yes, I'm gonna do the best I can. My Gemini friends are they're fun. They're fun, that's for sure. It's a lot of fun. We enjoy having fun. And that's why I tell my all my friends and family, they know, listen, don't talk to me about nothing serious after hours when I'm off the clock. I don't want to talk about your relationship. I don't want to, I mean, I'm sensitive to people's needs, of course. I'm going to show up for them. Right. But it's like, I talk about heavy stuff all day long. I want to disconnect. I want to talk about fun things. Hey everybody. Look, somebody look, they said, hi, listen. She said before the um the day before my big sister. Yeah, I got, you know, Gemini's. I say this, y'all got a lot of personalities, and you got to be really, you got to be prepared to deal with a Gemini. Yes, uh, yes. The women are totally different from the men. I would say I have friends on both sides, but um sometimes Gemini's be having too much going on in their spirit. Well, they say don't date us. Like, I've never dated a Gemini, but they say don't date us. And I mean, we we good when we good. <laughs> when we not, we're a force to reckon with. Ma'am, the way you looked over there in the corner, I almost choked on this street because, listen, that was a lot said when you <laughs> I'm trying not to incriminate myself and fellow Geminis who might be watching. We're great people. We are great people. We just, we can't help it. We cannot help it. But we great people. It's just, we can be indecisive. We can be all over the place. Y'all are there all day. Oh, my God. That's the thing it. about y'all, though. It's like, because y'all do be all over the place sometimes, you be like, baby. So, it, I think it's very interesting because I will say that I have gotten lots of good advice from Gemini's. Even the crazy ones, and I say crazy loosely because I know you're a therapist, so we're not supposed to use that word, but this is crazy cause Kakasha. So we say crazy on here a lot because I am kind of crazy. Uh, but it's all right. I, I, I live in my crazy, you know. I see it right. I rub it like a, a pet cat. That's so, self-awareness. And you know what? Because somebody asked me, is something wrong with you? I said a little bit, you know. And I mean, <laughs> I, it, I tell people I come with disclaimers and I am no longer ashamed of my disclaimers. And those who know how to deal with me, my circle is real small, but it's people who know me, who know how to manage me, or who know how to ignore me when they need to. But they know I have a beautiful side of me, but at the same time, my crazy is my crazy because everybody got a little bit of it. So mine just looks different. I love it. So how long have you been practicing? Um, so I've been a therapist for 11 years. Yeah. 11 years and listen therapists live in dog years so that makes me about 33 when it comes to the profession because you know i do customer service with medical and dental and i talk to the providers and i talk to the patients 
but I know immediately when I get a mental health provider on the line. How do you know? Because y'all, not all the time, <laughs> when it's like all them spirits y'all deal with be popping out for y'all. <laughs> and it just be a mess. Something like, baby, do you want <laughs> Um, Because it's just a whole <laughs> different ball game. I always pray for people. I have, you know, I know people who counsel and do therapy, whether it be um, different ways like i have a cousin he does uh what y'all do he's a he's a christian counselor but my cousin he does i think he does like youth and teens like you know that tricky age middle school Mm -hmm. the things and child i don't see how because i remember being in middle school which you go he'll be bad so I remember being in middle school and how confusing it was. Mm-hmm. Fifth grade sucked. It's yeah. Like all the changes that can happen, happen in middle school. Like sixth, seventh, and eighth grade was no fun. I had a jerry curl. I had nappy hair. I was skinny. <laughs> I was no legged. I was, that girl, my teeth were straightening out. It was a mess. Yeah, middle schools, they're crazy. So my organization, we, my, we specialize in serving youth. So Ooh. we started age eight to 18 and our middle school is the stuff they deal with i mean from bullying to um peer pressure because they don't know who they are so they're still trying to figure out an identity um so a lot of the suicide rate is pretty high between that age group um but yeah middle school they're crazy uh, yeah bless and, and they hormones like they going to the yeah bless them but I mean, sometimes it don't be the kids, it be the parents. That's what I'm really learning now about when it comes to therapy. A lot of the stuff we go to therapy about is the people that raise us. Yeah. And how we was raised. And not to say my mama was a great mama, but my mama was raised a certain way. And I was raised a certain way. And you know, I think with each generation, there's something that we decide in our heart that we're not going to do that our parents did but sometimes in retrospect you'd be like damn i should have did that yeah. <laughs> you know I mean, what I'm saying? yeah i mean yeah and a lot of times we parent the way we were parented you know yeah. but some of that ain't work you know no. I, listen my mama she listen she would she love the lord whatever but don't piss her off i don't know what age she stopped whipping me with a belt and just backhand bam like my mom yeah. was aggressive i didn't realize how violent she was until i became an adult i'm like my mom used to slap the hell out of me and that was i mean in the mouth in the mouth people don't understand Bad head, right that's why i you know that's why i said i could never be an abused woman and i know you know, I, I have to be careful because I know people are abused and living through that. I mean, I've had two daughters that have gone through that abuse stuff, but they didn't get that from me because I would be the aggressor. If anything, you can't put your hands on me. Yeah. Um. Now, what I was bad for was that people put their mouth on me. And by that, I mean, I could take mental abuse more so that I could take physical abuse. But mm-hmm. one is just as bad as the other when you think about it in retrospect, yeah. you know. And I know you probably like you started practice 11 years. That's a lot of listening to people's sorrows, girl. Like, so when people come to you, 
Well, before, well, no, let me go ahead and ask this before it slips my mind. So when people come to you, I'm looking at my questions. When people come to you and they they have a, a goal or they don't have a goal, mm-hmm. when they come to you, do you have people that you, you do therapy with them for a while and then it's over? Or do you oh, have no. people you've had for like the whole 11 years? Like, Mm-mm. how does it uh, work? So I can't speak for other therapists, but uh, the way I do counseling is almost like it's coaching as well. I don't believe in having people in therapy three, four years working on the same thing. We are very solution focused. And so a lot of times my clients are seeing changes within three to five sessions and then they're ready to transition out. Yep. And so like, cause I, I mean, I'm going to listen to you because of course I need to get to know you. I need to hear what's going on. But I can already tell, figure out what that needs to look like for us to get you to the next phase or to get out of whatever situation you're in or to work through whatever you're presenting with. And so we are very action oriented. I give homework. I'm a homework type of therapist. So I'm like, okay, so based on some of the things we talked about in this session, what are some things you think you need to work or could work on? Not need to, could work on between now and the next session. Because people don't want to stay stuck in their pain. They don't want to stay stuck in their mess. And so what good would it be for them to come to me every week or every other week and they're still dealing with the same thing week after week, day after day? No, we are going to be solution focused. I believe in helping people become what I call a self-directed healer. Well, you learn how to manage your emotions. You learn how to tap into coping skills and strategies to where you're not coming to me for answers. You're not coming to me to work for your stuff. You learn how to do it from now for the rest of your life. Girl, it's, as we call it in the spiritual circles, shadow work. And that shadow work is hard sometimes. I mean, I'm a Christian, but I am very much I, I tell people all the time I'm very much a connoisseur of all things Mother Africa now because it helped me to heal myself when I started realizing that I could go out and literally sit right here in this chair and close my eyes and talk to my grandma even though she's not here anymore or my granddaddy or my dad or even ancestors I don't even know and know that these people went before me so that I could be right here where I am today and so that I don't have to do things the way people did. Like my grandma, uh, my dad's mom is 91 years old, 91. Wow. And the older she gets, the more stuff she tells me. And sometimes I'd be like, and I made up in my mind one day when she told me a story about my grandfather, my grandfather, my dad's dad beating her so bad that she lost a baby. Wow. That I was like, I will never. See, that's what I'm saying. When you talk to older people, that's a mm-hmm. form of therapy if you listen to them. I was like, yep, I don't want that. Yeah. I When I was younger, I used to love to be around older people. Like, we would go and volunteer at the nursing homes and just sit there and talk to them. I mean, first of all, they were so funny. It was, they was funny as heck. But the, just the wisdom and the knowledge and just just their energy. I loved being around older people. And I'm going to be honest, Carla. So I'm a Christian raised, you know, Baptist. But I was never really taught much about ancestry and, you know, tapping into that and connecting with your ancestors. That was almost taboo the way I was raised. You know what I'm saying? And so when I get a client who 
who talks about that, I encourage it. That's your form of spirituality. Uh, that's how you connect with healing. So we figure out how can we incorporate that into your process? You know, how can that be a way to help you walk through your journey? But I honestly wish that I knew more about that because like even that comment you made about the light in my hand and the ancestors with me, the first person I thought about was my grandma. And, and, you know, and our birthday is right. Her birthday is the day before mine and she's no longer here, but you know, saying so. yeah, yeah. That's something I do want to get more into. And I, I mean, I pulled from both, but see, I grew up in a, in a predominantly white cult. Mm. And the first time I went to Baptist church, I was like, I know you lie. I know you lie. The way wow. you can run around this church, what is this about? <laughs> Girl, I, was so, I was so transfixed. I was like, what? Girl, we was at my friend mama house and we used to get drunk on the weekend. And her mama said, in this house, we go to church on Sunday. I don't care if y'all hung over. Get up. Girl, we have to get up. Girl, we going to church. Well, her girl, and I used to be in there just hung over. Girl, and that choir started singing. Girl, I started paying attention. Then it got so I started going by myself. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So that's how, you know, God started working on me. And I got baptized when I had my 27-year-old. And, you know, it just went from there. And so me and God have always been close. We just haven't had the most, uh, what do I call it? traditional relationship okay god deals yeah. with me differently from how he deals with other people i i think but there's all kinds of stories out there so who knows I, everybody has their own story about it and the mental health i do believe sometimes that the church also has contributed to bad mental health for black people oh, wow. as well as good mental health it just depends absolutely you know uh to go back to what you said as far as your relationship with God and mental health, I, I want to say, so I told you I'm a Christian. So my spiritual gift is intercessory prayer, right? So with that, there's a prophetic, there's a prophetic connection to that. Right. My screen keeps going black. But so when I was younger, like the Lord would drop stuff in my spirit. And I used to be like, why? Like it was never odd, but it was. And so then he would say, pray for this person, X, Y, and Z. Tell this person X, Y, Z. Mind you, I was a little girl, right? So I've been saved since I was seven. So it was weird, but it was. And I had this weird courage when it came to my faith and like, you know, my prophetic gift. So fast forward now to me as a therapist, a client will come in my office and it's like, I already know what they're dealing with and I already see them healed. And so I had to slow myself down when I first went in and became a therapist I was downloading like their process too fast and they weren't ready. And so I said, Anita, just because you see them healed and you know how to get them there, you still got to go their pace. It's still their process. And so my faith and my gifting as a clinician came together. And that's how I say people normally are doing well between three to six sessions and they're ready to discharge or they're ready to go to, to less sessions. And so it's, it's, a, it's a spooky thing, you know what I'm saying? Some people may think it's weird, but as a believer and me understanding how that works, it's like my spiritual gifts is what helps me in my profession as a clinician. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Because I fully say, you know, for the longest time, I started out doing club comedy, 
But for like 10 years, I did nothing but clean comedy. Nothing but clean comedy. No cussing, no nothing. And it was because I was walking in my gift of being a, as God called, an encourager, as you know, one of the spiritual gifts, encouragement. I've had that ever since I was a little kid. I could just touch you, you know, and make you feel better. I have the gift of massage, which is an encouragement to people. You can nice. work people's sorrows right out of their skin mm-hmm. with a massage. And I, I'm not licensed, but I've been doing it since I was a teenager. Wow. And um, making people laugh. That's encouragement. Yeah. You know, um, I was a Sunday school teacher for almost 20 years. Wow, Carla. And I did with I dealt with children. Children are my ministry. I like young people. I don't like, you know, I like them young because they, they keep it real with you. Look, we already halfway. Dang already. Girl, see how it is when you be talking about stuff you want to be talking about. But, <laughs> oh my God, I'm so I'm so excited. Did you? So before we go to the artist of the week, when we come back, did you have any clips or anything you wanted to show during the show? Or um, no, we just gonna keep talking. Okay. So listen, uh, the Veep has told us that we need to go to the artist of the week. So we're gonna do that so we can come back and finish talking. Yes, ma'am. Already, all right. Good show, ladies. Great job. This is my one of my favorite. This is my boy Elijah Rosario. This is movie star. Yeah. The ladies look at us, wondering who we 
We walk in the club just like the movie stars. Just like the movie stars. Yes, indeed, and that's Elijah Rosario, or movie star. And if you are an independent independent artist, or a spoken word poet, or even an up-and-coming comedian that would like some exposure, you can go to BlastMusic247.com and register for free. That's BlastMusic247.com, changing the industry one artist at a time. All right, ladies, that's you. Yay, thank you. Just like the movie stars, I always end up singing this song. I know. Okay. I listen. I like his song and his pants. I was feeling the okay. pants. <laughs> he was thugging out no pants. Okay. <laughs> Zing. Yes. Did you know when you went to college that you were going to be a therapist, or when you first went to school, did you go to school for something else? How how did this whole thing happen? So growing up, I used to ask a lot of questions and my family was like, oh, you're going to be an attorney. You like to ask a lot of questions, right? So they, they just thought I was going to be an attorney. So, But I ended up going to school. I went to the Florida A&M University. Okay. And, yes. And um, I majored in physical therapy. How the hell I get a physical therapy? I don't know. But I majored in physical therapy. And then they changed the program to a master's program. So then I went into occupational therapy. And I thought occupational therapy was gross. I was like, I don't really want to do this. But I had a sociology class. So I realized like I was so interested in understanding human behavior and mm-hmm. the social aspect and why people do what they do and social justice and all that. And so I ended up um, changing my major to psychology. I don't know how I got to psychology even. But I um, graduated from FAM and I was supposed to go off to grad school to be a social worker. And I ended up getting pregnant, getting married and coming home. And the easiest program for me to do was a mental health counseling program. And like the rest is history. It was I don't know how I got to that path, but it was certainly my calling. But I went to school for physical therapy initially. It amazing how when you look back on your life you're like what okay god uh sir yeah, <laughs> El yeah. why did you let me you run around the mulberry bush to get to the to this right, right. like me i'm i'm going to be 50 next month oh, and i'm just getting ready to go back to school like, I, and sometimes I feel like, should I be going back to school at 50 on top sure. of all the other stuff I got going on? Yeah, but I am right. because now I know what I really want to do, like, for real. You know what I mean? Like, it's been a whole process, and I'm pretty sure that I know what I'm going to school for is what I should be going to school for. Right. Um, And I went to school initially to be a kindergarten teacher. Then I got there and I decided I was going to be a history teacher. I was going to be a teacher. And then I went in the radio station one day. I just happened to be in there with somebody else. And I was like, oh, yeah, I want to do that. So I became a radio broadcasting major because at the time, 
I was a party animal. I was always at parties. I, was, <laughs> I used to think I was a rapper back then. Girl, <laughs> all the things. And I said, oh, this will go good with my life. But yeah. then, guess what? Met a man. And just like, honey, won't they, won't they, honey, won't that pregnancy interrupt your life? Okay. I had plans for my life. Next thing you know. Baby, I was partying Thursday to Sunday. And popped up pregnant. I said, what is going on? Same. I've been running track and doing all the things. Listen, I graduated. I walked across that strip stage. I was eight months pregnant and embarrassed. I was and nobody knew I was pregnant. I lost. I ended all my friendships, everything. I was just so embarrassed. Then I ended up getting pregnant from a local at that time. I, I was my, it was my senior year. And I was like, oh, I'll just talk to him until I graduate. Just something to to do and um ended up pregnant and i was miserable i was terribly depressed i came back home to st pete i moved in with my mom and i was terribly depressed so here i am with my psychology degree thinking i'm about to be a social worker and save the lives of everybody change the world and i was miserable with my own life and so that you know that was a process i had to walk through but i realized it was my subconscious that really directed me towards being a therapist. I'm a survivor of several traumas, but childhood sexual abuse. And I never told anybody from the age I was seven, probably last about two years. And it was a neighbor across the street. And I never told anybody. So I lived with that secret all of my life until I was 30. But I remember getting to a place and say, you know what? I want to give people something I never allowed myself to get because I kept my secret for all of my life. And so I knew I had this passion for people and hurting people, but I didn't know why. I, I never really knew why. But I was carrying around this trauma all of my life. And it wasn't until I was sitting in my therapist's office. She's still my therapist. That's funny. My therapist's office at the time. And it was my second divorce. And she somehow brought up my sexual abuse. And I was like, it's not even relevant. And she was like, no, it is. But I minimized it because my abuser was a woman. And so I said, well, it wasn't a man. So that's not the same. It, was, it wasn't penetrate. I minimized the impact of what I had gone through as a, as a six or seven year old girl. Why and so once, she, once I acknowledged it, I broke and I cried like a six or seven year old girl. And I cried for about 30 minutes in her office and I couldn't stop. But that was the years of me carrying this secret that I minimized. I was here. I am 30, a therapist and helping everybody else. But it was my second divorce. I was ashamed. I had become the worst version of myself. And I finally had to address that trauma that I was carrying all of my life. Wow. So are you an empath? I am. Isn't it terrible, but isn't it great, but isn't it terrible? It's a blessing and a cursing all at the same time. I didn't know until I was an adult that I was an empath. I just knew that I would be around people and feel like crying or get agitated. Or I could be sitting and I start feeling away and I'd be like, but I'm cool. What's wrong? Why am I feeling like this? Yeah. Or... um. I cry over everything and I'm still like that now. Like, but it's not because 
I'm sad, I just cry. It's a release for me, right? So mm-hmm. if I'm happy, I cry. If I'm mad, I cry. If I'm frustrated, I cry. And when I started going to therapy, she told me that back in the day, they called it borderline personality. I was like, so I'm crazy? And she was like, no. She was like, there's all kinds of spectrum. She was like, but you're a person who, because you're so emotional, she said, you know, we used to call it borderline. And she says, now we call it level one bipolar and all this. And I was like, oh my God, I and the woman that told me I'm crazy. And then I had that girl, I just didn't go back for a little while because I was like, this woman that told me I'm crazy. I can't go back in. <laughs> <laughs> now, this was, this was, I started going to therapy when I got separated from my ex-husband who I was with for 17 years. Wow. I was with the same man for 17 years. So even though us breaking up was necessary, when it happened, and even though I, it was my idea, when it happened, I felt like, what? Like, I'm a failure. Hmm. Like, now I'm a single mom. I mean, I literally had people say, wasn't it something you could do to save your marriage? Like, and I wanted to say, I did everything. But it really hmm. wasn't people's business. And it just made me feel some kind of way. So I had to talk to somebody who didn't know me. Yeah, And that's how my therapy journey began because I felt like I couldn't talk to the people at the church. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like I could really talk to my mama. I didn't feel like, you know, even my, you know, um, at that time, my grandma was gone. Um, it just, and I just didn't know where to turn. And, yeah. and, and I was watching something and they said therapy. And I said, do I need to go to a therapist? Right. Right. Yeah. And and that's what I tell my clients. Like you may have very supportive people in your circle. Right. But they're too invested into your wellness, meaning they don't want they can't stand to see you sad. They don't can't stand to see you grieving. So they want you to hurry up and get over it. There's a sense of feeling like, you know, this of guilt and shame, like, oh, I should be over this by now. And so they may mean well, but they're too invested in you being okay. As a therapist, we're invested in you being okay, but we're not trying to rush your process. We're not here to give you advice. We're here to hear what's going on. We're here to help you make connections, help you work through your stuff. And so I tell people, yeah, I'm glad that you get advice to certain people, but we're trained to find the root of the problem. They just helping you deal with your situation, but we help you find the root of the problem. So does your upbringing conflict with your therapy sometimes? Like, do you find yourself at odds with, now I know good and doggone well, you know, especially when you're dealing with these youth for today, you know, we're, we're teaching the timeouts and talk to them and write stuff in a book and do a journal. When, like you said before, we know our mamas was not going to be doing all that talking. She'd tell you something one time, bam, you get knocked in the mouth. Right, or you right. getting a chocolate I throw at you or something crazy, you know? And I was like, to me, one thing I said, I would never hit my kids with a fly swatter. I thought that was the grossest thing. <laughs> no, that sounds crazy. But girl, I was like, I would never beat my kids with a fly swatter. <laughs> I thought that was the nastiest thing you could do to anybody on the earth. You gonna kill a fly with it and then hit me with it. That is, that is crazy. Listen, my mom was so crazy. Oh she she was a teacher and a speech pathologist, so she would get these rulers and she would take like three or four rulers together 
and then write the ABCs on them. I don't know what she thought that was doing. So we got whooped with the ABCs, okay? I hated my ABCs. It was the stupidest, dumbest punishment. But to your point, no. Now I wish my mom had the resources that we're giving parents and moms now. Yeah. My mom was married 15 years with her. My dad um, got divorced. He And he left her. And my mom was severely depressed. And so I dealt with a, a stressed, depressed woman who loved the Lord. She'd be in church seven days a week. When she'd come home, she was not, she, she wasn't present. She was too caught up in her emotions. And so I now realize that I couldn't be angry at her because I was angry for a minute. I couldn't be angry at her because she projected her pain. She did the best she could. And so now we give parents the tools to like, hey, listen, what you're doing is almost going to be counterproductive. Now you're ruining your relationship with your child. I know you want respect, but can we show you a different way to get it? How can we mend the relationship with your child? Because these kids, let me tell you something, these kids, a lot of them are uncontrollable. You can try and whoop them to death. You can't beat it out of them. You can't, a lot of times, seem like pray it out of them. You, it's a different generation. And they will either fall apart or they will bow up at you, you know, as if you they on your level. So all that spanking and hitting with fly squatters and rulers. Yeah, and foolishness. That's what I call it. But now sometimes now, if you... Now, and I tell people, you just call social service because I'm old school and I ain't going to do too much talking. Now, when I tell okay. you to get your ass up and go over there and do what the hell I said to do, right. you better move fast because right. I'm going to say it one time, huh? Or I start shaking the tree, you understand? Because I, I And now that the older I get, my kids be like, who are you? Because <laughs> right, my right, granddaughter right, get away yeah. with everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah, see, y'all grandparents, y'all yeah. ain't right. Y'all ain't right. Because I look at my mom like, man, I would have got the wind knocked out of me if I would have said that. Like, she's so patient with my kids. And she ain't had that patience with me. But don't get it twisted. I'm glad the Lord gave me kids who listen. Because Roz, that's my mom name. Like, she in me. She in me. And I tell my kids, listen, I'm really trying not to handle you the way Roz handled me. But you getting real close. And that therapy stuff. <laughs> Yeah, I be telling people, Linda Gale, baby, she come in here beat every day of thing to shatter you, shatter your imagination and you will. You better get it together. My cousin used to be like, oh, please don't let Ed Gale come here and start, girl, because my mama would beat everybody. That's my mama. If you in the way, you getting hit. And she's so quiet. My mom's quiet, but she a Taurus. And when you activate a Taurus, baby, you have activated the devil. You just let them alone. Just do what they say. Because they really do turn into a bull. Because my mama ain't with all that talking. And girl, she'll look down them glasses at you and make your whole blood freeze in your body. Because you knew, listen, this is not the one to fool with. And so I try not to be like that with my kids. But to hear them tell it, I was crazy. But I'm just telling you, I just ain't with all that talking. I ain't with all that talking. And then I had one. I got a child that's bipolar. Non-medicated, who believes weed is her medication, mm. and she got a child, and I'm like, baby, that ain't how it works. And you know, when you have to get into fifth cuffs with your your grown child, yeah, you be like, Lord, everybody got to get there, because Lord, if it listen, if this go any further, somebody gonna end up in jail or dead or something, and it's hard. 
Yeah. When you realize that just because you raise a child, when they become adults, they still need you. I still need my mama and I'm even 50 years old. Yeah. I still go to my mamas, my aunties, my uncle, my grandma. I still need people to plant stuff into me at this age. And I can't imagine what it's like for people in this time, young people, because they are exposed to stuff that our parents would be like, turn that TV off, turn that radio off. Mm -hmm. Stuff is coming at them all the time. It's like, so everything pervades them. You can't block them from stuff. It's just like, it's just there, right? And they are resilient as we were. You know, we could go through all kind of stuff and just get through it. And I'm saying it was right, get through it without therapy. And all. Unfortunately, the generations of children and youth we have, they internalize stress and anything else a lot deeper than we did. You know, it's they they're unfortunately they're not as resilient. COVID didn't make it any better. COVID did things to get, I mean, the kids I have in my office, who they were before COVID. And after COVID, I, I told different kids and it's amazing. I'm like, wow, just that just that isolation alone, that short time of isolation did something to the psyche and the mental, emotional health of a lot of people, especially really? kids. Yes. Yep. So who so as your clients, do you mostly do adults? Do you do uh, children or is it a mixed bag for you? It's a mixed um yeah, it's a mixed population we serve, but we specialize in serving kids. And a lot of the work we do is community based. So like we'll go out in the community, do groups every year. I have a mental health awareness and youth empowerment workshop. So a lot of people connect us with serving youth, but we serve all ages. That is so amazing. So what do you think as a therapist? I mean, this is your opinion. Um, yeah, it's not a fact, but. In your opinion, besides COVID, because you just spoke to COVID, and I've heard so many people say how COVID really did. It either drove us to getting mental health or it pushed us away further into ourselves, whoever it is. But what is your most, what what do people come in the most about? Is it marital? Is it finance? Is it Mm -hmm. self-image? Is it Mm -hmm. self-esteem? What's anxiety, anxiety, anxiety and stress. Yep. Anxiety and stress, especially during COVID. During COVID, it was just myself and another clinician. I went from having two clinicians to having 10. The calls came in so much. And at that time, that's a different story, podcast story. But at that time, I told God I was done being a therapist. I had quit. I was like, I don't want to be a therapist no more. I'm going to be a realtor. I don't know what I'm going to do. But I was done being a therapist. And every day the calls kept coming in. And I'd be like, I'm just going to take one more client. And every day the calls kept coming in. And I went again from just two of us to 10 of us. And so my practice boomed. And it not only went from, I was probably 90% white clients and 10% black clients. When COVID happened, it flopped. I went from having 10% black clients to almost 90% black clients. Because think about it. During that time, the social unrest, George Floyd, all that stuff was going on. So not only were we dealing with a pandemic, an epidemic, we was dealing with police officers killing us left and right. So men were coming to therapy like I'm scared for me and my son. Black women said coming to therapy, I'm scared for me and my my son. You know what I'm saying? So like it was so much going on in the world. 
between COVID and George Floyd, everything that was happening with racial injustice and civil unrest, that people were scared, they were angry, they were stressed out, they were stuck in a house of people who they ain't been stuck in a house whatever. They were looking within themselves saying, who am I? What am I doing? Because, you know, we define ourselves by what we do. We go to work every day. We had a routine, even if we didn't like it. We had a routine every day. And then when the world shut down unexpectedly, we had to figure out life. And a lot of people, they didn't like what they saw in the mirror. And they, they were not happy with their current life situation. So everybody started coming in for anxiety and stress. I'm here. I just, you know, I was thinking, <laughs> I was just thinking about what you were saying. Like, yeah, it, it, it was, yeah, it, it was tricky. Yeah. And then we had Trump in office and he was running. Oh, girl, girl, there was a lot going on in the world between 2020 or 2019 to 2022. It was a lot going and still is. But, and so the world needed therapy. In a matter of now, because if they even contemplate putting that man back in the office, I'm like, are y'all crazy? Oh, you know, the whole running, who everybody running on, let's say, let's just say mental health is here to stay. Like, I they will never, the world can't produce enough therapists to meet the needs. I'm telling you, and it's it's hard for me, it's disheartening for me because even with all the therapists I have, I still have a wait list of like 13 people who are waiting to get in for therapy and I don't have the capacity. And these are people who are really needing therapy. And I feel so bad, but everybody's full across the nation. We as therapists, we talk, nobody has availability and people are trying to just get through life every day. I've been in a situation where I can't go to therapy because insurance, not having enough money, you know, the things that happen, you lose your job, you lose your insurance. Yeah. Then they send you to these old, what I call piecemeal mental health places. And you're like, I'm not going to them, honey. I need to be giving that woman therapy. You know, <laughs> situation. I went, I'm going to tell you the very first therapist I went to, I went to her for like three weeks and I was like, yeah, I'm out. This ain't going to work because she was an older. And she told me, she was like, yeah, I'm from Manhattan. This is how she was talking, from Manhattan. My family's trying, you know, blah, blah, blah. And you get that. She had a silver spoon in her mouth. Mm -hmm. I'm not here with my third husband. I'm practicing, you know. Uh, and then, you know, I'll be like, ma'am, how did they pair me with you? Yeah. How? She had no idea how to deal with a black woman with kids yeah. going through a separation. None. Right. She was right. cool. Yeah. And, um, that's when I had to go out here and start doing the work, finding the right therapist. Yep. No, that's right. Not all therapists are created equal, okay? There's some therapists who aren't good, unfortunately. There's some that are there to talk more about them. They're just not. And so I train therapists. I have interns and students, and I'm very passionate about helping them be healthy themselves as people and clinicians but also take it serious, the work they do. Because I tell them, I say, y'all have people lives, you know, that are in front of you, that are looking to you to help them figure it out. And so I love to train uh, my therapists. All of them are therapists of color. So I have black females and black males. And when clients call me, they'll say, I'm going to be honest. I called you because you're black and I wanted a black therapist. And I say, I'll take it, you know, because we didn't have that. 
we didn't have therapists that look like us. We really didn't. And so it's it, there is a, a relevance to having somebody that you feel like that can connect, even if they can't necessarily walk exactly in your experience. They've never been in your experience, whether it's you um, been addicted to drugs or whatever, but that cultural relevance, you'll understand some of the things I say when I say it. And I don't have to explain it to you. Right. 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 That's black and brown. I tell people that all the time. Like, (laughs) you know, I get into it with people who say, I'm Dominican. I'm not black. What? Okay. You're very black. <laughs> Get your life together. Okay. Right. We are very similar. <laughs> Let's put our meals together and see how much our food look alike. Let's talk about <laughs> our mama experiences. Okay. No, I mean, seriously. And I have one more question. Two more questions, actually. We're going to run over like five minutes. So okay. I wanted to ask you this because I put it on my list and I want to make sure I ask you this. So as a therapist, have you ever had a patient commit suicide? And how did you deal with that? Somebody that you gave therapy to, did you just find out they were like, I'm out of here. And like, how did that impact you? Because I had a friend, a close friend who, one of her patients killed himself. And it was hard for her because she was like, I thought he was getting better. Yeah. You know, so how does that work? How does that work for you? Have you ever had that situation? Um, by the grace of God, no, I have not. I have not lost a client to, to suicide. Thank I've you. had, you know, I've had some that come close and almost, I, I use this very loosely, talk them off the ledge. But right. I've never, you know, I have not. Um, but I think the way I understand suicide now with my own personal journey and walking through walking through suicide myself, being in a place to where I had those thoughts, people when people are ready to leave, there's nothing you can do about it. Absolutely. When they are truly, because you won't even know when they're at peace with their decision about taking their own life. And unfortunately, some of them have to get to that place. Now they don't mean they're in peace of their life, but they may be at peace with their decision. Right. It's, they can still show up and laugh and talk and go and go and do what they carry out their plan, unfortunately. And so, you know, I never really judge people when um, they have loved ones, you know, or when people get to that point to where they attempt to commit suicide, even if they're not successful, because life was just that hard for them. In that moment, they felt like life was not worth showing up again. Yeah. You know, and that's just hard for me. And I just, I know it has to be hard for the person that's helping and the person that's going through it. Now, Sophia has a question. She said, Miss Z, have you ever had clients that you knew right away you couldn't help or there was no connection? Mm, I will say yes. I knew there were some that, there was some that maybe... I knew it was going to be difficult for me to work with um, uh-huh. based on just where they were. Like they were, they were sitting on my couch, but they weren't ready for change. They weren't invested. Um, uh, and so I just kind of went through the motions with them, but I'm, I'm going to call you, I'm going to call you out professionally type of therapist. So I'm going to say, you know, I know it is. I play dumb a lot. You know, I know it is that you seem to come and talk about the same thing every week and we go with strategies and and you turn them all down. Are, are you really ready 
to work through this. You know, so I, I just kind of confront them. I do a healthy confrontation. Mm. Um, as far as clients who, there's some who come that I've had some that were severely psychotic. You can't therapize that. You know, if they believe that they're aliens that's in their backyard, you kind of have to just go along with their beliefs. The goal is just to keep them stabilized to where they're able to take care of them, themselves on a daily basis and not do anything to harm themselves or anybody else. So there's some clients to where I cannot help them be sane, but I can help help them live a life as best as they can. Got that. Yeah. Got it. Wow. So before we go, last question. Okay. And we're out of here. I thank you. Yeah. yeah. I feel like this was very productive. Thank you for you hanging in there with my me. Best. <laughs> Thank you so much. So as a therapist, as a pretty brown girl, as a woman who's been a divorcee, a single mother, now you have your own you you have your own practice, you're helping people. If you could go back to your most difficult time in your mm-hmm. in your timeline. Mm-hmm. I don't know when that would be for you. You know, everybody has that time of life when you feel like, God, if I just make it out of this mm-hmm. right here, and you look back at it and you'd be like, right. If you could go back and hold your own hand at that one, the, that part of life that was just the most extremely hard for you, what would you say to yourself? Mm, that's a deep question. I want to say like which part of my life, Carla, I mean, my life has had a lot of hard pockets, right? Up until present day with being even an entrepreneur, life has been hard. That's mm. one of the hardest things I've ever done. Um, I would say don't quit. What you're going through now is going to equip you to go through the next phase of your life. Yeah. yeah. Don't quit. I I, I mean, I, and, and, it, and it's hard for me because I didn't give me what I gave my clients. No. I didn't. So it, affirming myself and encouraging myself, I didn't know how to do that. So I just woke up every morning. I just kept waking up every morning, miserable as hell, kept waking up every morning. And so now to go back and now that I've gotten better at affirming myself, it's like, don't quit. This is equipping you for the next season of your life. You got this. You got this. God got you. Amen. You know, God got you. That's powerful. Like if you don't know, like I tell people, However you look at God, Allah, Jesus, Buddha, whatever, right? I don't knock it. But you have to have a higher power mm-hmm. or something in you to boost you. I feel, for me, you know, I tell everybody, Holy Spirit is my road dog. You know what yes. I'm saying? I could tell y'all some stories about me and Holy Spirit. You know me? Mm-hmm. Where <laughs> she, and I say she, not he. She literally came and be like, Carla. Now, and the Bible says she a teacher and she a comforter and she all them mm-hmm. things. Like, I can tell you stories. Yeah. Where she literally schooled me. 
And I'd be like, oh my God. And in retrospect, I knew that it was the Holy Spirit God sent to me through people, through movies. I mean, even movies. I could watch a movie and get a whole revelation. Just sitting watching a movie. Yeah. You know, and I thank God for you, Dr. Z, and all the people like you who are out here helping us to wage this war within. Yeah, it's way to wage this war within because it's it's the, uh, what the Joyce Ma say the battlefield of the mind. Oh, um, right. yes. I have read that book like three times in the course of my life, and every time I read it, it gets I get something else out of it. But that's one of those books that I go back to when I start feeling like my mind is on a roller coaster because it's in my mind. Absolutely. And I'm better than that. You know, whatever it is that's trying to take me down, I'm better than that. So that's right. I thank you. I just pray that God strengthen you and walk with you and encourage you the way that you encourage others. I pray that he keep a smile on your face and joy in your heart. I pray that he give you peace and abundance overflowing so Amen. that your, your blessings will trickle down to others, that your peace and joy will spread light and love out to the land and to everybody you come in contact with. Yes, listen, <laughs> I receive that, honey. I receive that in the name of Jesus. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Carla. I appreciate you having me on. Um, bring me back. Bring me back. Look, don't, I don't want to talk about nothing serious. Look, and, if, and look, as I drink my wine, but God know he made me. He was like, listen, she like the sip. She like the sip and cuss. And do other things. She ain't got no business sometimes, but she's still here. Fools <laughs> and babies. He look out for fools. You hear me? And I ain't been a baby in a long time. I'm Thank still you one. so much, Sophia. Thank you, Sophia, Sunshine, everybody that came on. Yes. yes. Thank you so much. And I'll see you next time. See you on your next show. Thank you so much. And you have a great weekend. Okay. You too, Carla. Okay. Bye. Bye bye.